series today. We've been trying in this series to awaken within you an understanding, I would even say a yearning, to live life at the highest level, to live at the level of transcendence. Transcendent living is living beyond yourself. You, you, you are living life for a cause greater than yourself. Uh, you've moved past living for the basic need to survive, and you've moved in uh, to the area where you can thrive, where you can live the abundant eternal life that God has called you, made you to live. Uh, God's goal for you is that you would leave a legacy. And the concept of legacy is the idea of a body of persons sent on a mission. And the legacy is not that you just accomplish the mission. Part of the mission is to pass it on to other people and on to the next generation. A legacy includes your past, your present, your future. It actually flows into eternity. Last week we looked at the judgment seat of Christ where God has promised that he will reward us forever for the things that we've done here on earth in the body, in time. That's an amazing process. Your life matters for eternity because how you live your life shapes your legacy. Now this legacy thing is hard. Legacy comes out of the hard things in life. How people live in the easy times really doesn't reveal their character. It really doesn't develop their character. Anyone can maintain their composure when life's going well. But it's when life becomes hard, when, when life turns up the heat, when, when the pressure's on, that's when we discover what we're made out of. And the cool thing about legacy is that legacy can take the hard things of life and turn them into things of lasting value. Uh, Jesus loves to take gravel and turn it into gold. Christ loves to take the hard times in life and use them to soften our heart toward him so that we can bear deep and lasting fruit. God never wastes a hurt. God loves to take your hurts, your mistakes, your miss-ups, your, your uh, sins, even the pain that other people inflict on you. God loves to take all of that and redeem it. Redeem it for his purpose, for his glory, and for your reward. And some of you have gone through some great difficulty in life. Some of you are going through very difficult times right now. And I just want to assure you that God can use whatever you're going through. God can redeem it for his glory. He can redeem it for your reward if you let him. If you let him. I, I love the word picture for this that we find in Psalm 65, 11. It says, you crown the year with a bountiful harvest. I mean, I just love that picture. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. I mean, there is a point where you reap reward. You reap harvest for what has happened. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. And with God, even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. Give God that hard time, and God will bear fruit, lasting fruit, out of it. And so we've got this concept of legacy that shapes our lives. We're a body of persons sent on a mission that we are to pass on to other people, pass on to the next generation. That's how Christianity, that's how discipleship works. It goes from one person to the next, one generation to the next. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, 9. And, and, and this is the context of the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, this is the foundation upon which, on which the judgment seat is based. And, and Paul says, For we are God's fellow workers. 
And I just want to stop there for just a moment and just let that phrase sink in. I mean, if that phrase does not take your breath away, you're not paying attention. The sovereign God of the universe, the almighty creator, sustainer God has invited you and me to work with him to accomplish his purpose. We are God's fellow workers. I mean, I just let the weight of that verse sink in on me, and I just have to wonder, God, what are you thinking? <laughs> what, what, what are you thinking? Why in the world would you let me near this thing? Why would God invite me to work with him? Given the darkness of my heart, the weakness of my character, the power of my flesh, given my tendency towards sin, why in the world would God depend on me? And yet the Bible says, you are God's field, God's building. You know, when it comes to fulfilling the great commandment and the great commission, we are God's plan A. We are the method that God has chosen to accomplish his plan. We're his legacy. And there is no plan B. There's no plan B. Angels are not going to sweep in at the last minute and bail us out. We're it. We're the ones that God has called. We are the ones that God has chosen to fulfill this great task. And if you look at the context in which the Great Commission is given, I mean, it's remarkable. It's ludicrous. On its face, the Great Commission is preposterous. It is. I mean, Jesus gave the Great Commission to 11 guys on a hillside outside of Jerusalem. A few fishermen, a tax collector, a couple of religious zealots, These guys had never been outside the nation of Israel. They had no real hopes, no designs, probably not even any desires to do so. And Jesus tells these 11 guys to take the gospel to every tribe, every tongue, every nation all around the globe. I mean, it's a ludicrous assignment. It is a preposterous idea. And these 11 guys take him seriously. They believe him. They become a body of persons sent on a mission to the point that they gave their lives for this legacy. All of these guys, except John, were martyred for the Great Commission. And they were martyred, gave their lives for the gospel. Thomas traveled all the way to South India and died preaching the gospel there. John wasn't martyred. He lived to be an old man, but he was banished to exile on an island in the Mediterranean. They took the Great Commission seriously. They gave their lives for it. And they passed the legacy on to us. We are God's fellow workers. Why? Why does God use us? How? How does God use us? Paul says, by the grace God has given me. Circle that word grace. The things I do in my body that are going to count for eternity, I don't do them out of my own effort and strength. I do them out of the grace that God has given me. And sometimes people get confused on this grace deal. They'll be struggling with some sin in their life, and they want God to give them grace. They want the church to give them grace. They want their family, their friends to give them them grace. But what they want is not really grace. What they want is latitude, allowance, permission. They want the freedom to continue to remain in their sin. Show me some grace. Let me continue to sin. 
But grace is not the freedom to continue to sin. Grace is not permission, allowance, latitude to continue to sin. Grace is not the toleration of sin. Grace is the eradication of sin. Grace is the power to break free out of your sin by the grace God has given me. I laid a foundation as an expert builder. By grace, I don't continue in my sin. By grace, I become an expert at defeating sin. I become an expert at breaking out of my sin. By God's grace, I learned how to live in righteousness. Not my righteousness, but in the righteousness of Christ. I move from defeat to victory. I move from weakness to power. I leave a legacy. I pass it on to other people. Paul says, by God's grace, I became an expert builder. I laid a foundation, and someone else is building on it. That's legacy. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Each one of us must be careful how he builds. Why? Because you can't lay any other foundation other than Jesus Christ won't work can't do it all the time we see people even believers in Jesus Christ trying to build their lives on a foundation other than Jesus Christ people try to build their lives on their hurts habits and hang-ups people try to build their lives on their appetites and addictions people try to build their lives on their weakness and woundedness people try to build their lives on their disbelief or people try to build their lives on the foundation of good things. They try to build their life on their marriage or on their kids or on their favorite charity or on a a good cause or maybe even on a good career with a good company. And I just want to tell you that while those are good things to do, they are not a good foundation for your life. They are good works to build on a foundation, but they are not a good foundation. Only Jesus Christ is good enough to be the foundation of your life. If it's going to last, it has to be built on Christ. Has to be. In Ephesians 2, Paul describes the process that God God is doing here. I'm going to do it out of the message because it's just so clear. It says God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here. He is using us all in what he is building He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. In this passage, Paul Paul refers to the apostles and prophets as the foundation, and Jesus Christ gets elevated to the cornerstone. The cornerstone is even more important than the foundation. We find this in Isaiah 28. It says, so this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion. He's talking about Jesus Christ. I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Because the cornerstone that determines uh, how the building is built, it becomes the the focal point, the measuring point. It becomes the, the measuring line, the plumb line 
for your life. And so Christ is the cornerstone. The apostles and prophets are the foundation. And you and I are built on that foundation. God is fitting us brick by brick, stone on stone, into his dwelling, his house, his, his temple. Because the church is a building. It's a building. It's not made out of bricks and stone. It's a building made out of living stones. Peter tells us this. He says, you also, like living stones. And I was just captivated by that phrase, living stones. And so I thought, I'm going to look that up in Greek and see what, what deep meaning it has. And I looked it up, and it means living stones. <laughs> and I just thought, man, that is so cool. It's just so cool. Living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I mean, just walk through that. You are living stones being built into a spiritual house, a dwelling place for God, a temple for God. You're to be a holy priesthood. You're to be holy. You're to be a priest offering spiritual sacrifices. This isn't just random. This isn't by chance. This is intentional with purpose. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are called to live for something greater than yourself. Greater than yourself. And so as we close out this series, I just want to walk you through this process because every one of us, we're at a different place in this process of legacy. In fact, you may be visiting a church for the very first time today, and this is all news to you. And if that's the case, I would just say, yippee. I mean, man, we are glad you are here. And and maybe you've grown up in a church, and this is old news to you. And to you, I would say, yippee, because it's never too late. And most of, our, of us are just somewhere in between. And so do you. Yippee. Here we go. Let's look at the process. How do you leave a legacy as a living stone? The first level. Number one, I must do what I should do. Some of us are at the starting point of the faith. Some of us are at the starting point of legacy. We may have believed for years, but this is a new process for us. But there's a baseline. There's a starting point. And how you start determines where you end up. The position of the cornerstone determines how the building is built. Doing what you should do lays the foundation for what follows. Doing what I should do lays the foundation of legacy. Jesus lays out a principle in Luke 16.10. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, not been trustworthy, who will trust you with true riches? And so here Christ makes the connection between the temporary and the eternal, between the physical and the spiritual, between worldly wealth and true spiritual riches. And Christ says if you can be trusted with little, you can be trusted with much. If you're dishonest with little, you will be dishonest with much. And the words trusted and dishonest are important words in that verse. But an even more important word is the word little. Little things matter. If I want to leave a legacy, I need to start with the little things. I need to do what I should do. There are, are just some basics of the Christian life that make the thing work. There are some basics that you need to do if you're going to leave a legacy. And around here we call them the essentials. We even have a class that we teach on, on them, a growth track class. 
the second Sunday of every month, Pastor Tom Stoltz teaches 201 Essentials. Because if you're going to be a disciple, there are some basic disciplines that you need to build into your life. To be careful how you build on the foundation of Christ, you, you need to, there are some basic little things that will demonstrate your faithfulness. To leave a legacy, I need to do what I should do. And chances are there are some things in your life that immediately come to mind that you know you should do and you're not doing them. It may be something big, it may be something little. And you know you should do it. But for whatever reason, whatever excuse, you don't. And it's impacting your ability to leave a legacy. And you probably know what it is. I don't need to tell you what it is. But I am going to encourage you for the sake of your legacy. Make the decision right now, here today, that I'm going to start doing what I should do. By God's grace. I'm going to do the little things that I should do because I want to be faithful. If I'm going to leave a legacy, I've got to continue to build on the foundation of faithfulness. And number two, I need to do what I could do. What I could do. There are things that God is not requiring of you, but He's inviting you to do. It's the next level of leaving a legacy. It's the next level of moving into God's grace. You know, God, God, God calls me not to just do what I should do. God invites me to do what I could do. He gives me the pleasure of knowing that, that what I did for him cost me something. You can't leave a legacy if it doesn't cost you something. It cost the apostles their very lives. There just to be a point where, where I'm just not satisfied with living at the baseline level. I want to do more. And I'm willing to sacrifice I'm willing to pay the price to make a difference. And God calls me to do just that. Paul describes the sacrificial giving of the Macedonian churches. He says they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service. They did what they should do, but they didn't stop there. They gave even beyond their, their own ability, entirely on their own. The pastor didn't have to beg and plead. Paul didn't have to beg and plead. They, they initiated the giving as an act of self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice is the most Christ-like. Christ, Christ was not executed at the will of other people. Jesus Christ laid down his life as a self-sacrifice. That's the kind of sacrifice that God invites us to make. It's a self-sacrifice. It's where you do what you could do. If you just gave, if you just yielded, if you just did more. And it's never easy to do more. But if it didn't require a sacrifice, everybody would do it. But everybody doesn't do it, even though God invites them to. But everyone who does it, God has promised to reward you forever. Sacrifice is part of legacy. Next, if I'm going to leave a legacy, I need to do what I would do. Do what I would do if... This is the, this is the faith part of legacy. It's the dream phase of legacy. Lord, I would do this if... And then you just fill in the blank with the biggest, most bodacious dream you could dream. This is the level for dreamers. But you can't skip the other two levels to get to this level. People often want to do something great for God, but they aren't willing to do something little for God. 
They want to do what they would do, but they don't do what they should or could do first. And it doesn't work that way. But look what happens when you do what you should do and what you could do. 2 Corinthians 9, it says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now notice again the connection between the physical and the spiritual, between the temporal and the eternal. God provides seed to the sower. God provides bread for food. God meets those basic survival needs. But God also wants to meet our need for transcendence. God wants us to more than survive. He wants us to thrive. You know, we reap a, a harvest of righteousness. He says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. It's not about our profit. It's not about our comfort. It's not about our harvest. It's about God. It's about God's glory. It's about him being praised and thanked and lauded for what we've done. That's his grace in action. But God doesn't waste his seed by giving it to people who won't sow it. And that's why this faith thing has to kick in. If you're going to leave a legacy, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And look what happens when you move into the transcendent would-do phase of life. Psalm 112 says they share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Remembered forever. That's legacy. They will have influence and honor. Influence and honor. That's legacy. Next week, I'm hoping to start a three-week series on honor. Because honor, I think it's something we've just lost. Something we've forgotten. And yet it's such a deep part of legacy. Influence. Honor. Paul told Timothy. Timothy's a young pastor pastoring a church. And he wrote him and said... Uh, Timothy, you need to tell the people in your church, you need to command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. Why? In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves. That's reward. They will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. That's eternity. It's legacy. You leave a legacy, you reap a reward so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. God says, this is the life I've made you for. This is the eternal, abundant life that I have promised to give you. I'm going to take a moment today and and just update you on on some of the legacy that you are participating in here as Rockbrook Church. Back in January, we uh, just invited you this year to just lean into the process, to just step in, get plugged into a small group, take our growth track classes, just get plugged into to the life that God has called you to. And on February 1st, Super Bowl Sunday, we launched our first growth track class, and, uh, and now it's June, and so we've been at this about six months, halfway through the year, and I just wanted to let you know that, that we've had 357 people who have taken at least one growth track event. So far this year, 357 of you have taken either 101, 201, 301, or 401. Uh, we've had 78 new members that have joined Rockbrook just since, just since February 1st. 
We've had 45 people who have finished 101, 201, 301, 401 and actually gotten plugged into ministry. 45 new people involved in our dream team and the ministries that make stuff happen around here. And, and since February 1st, we've baptized over 40 people so far this year. I mean, I'm just so excited about that. I mean, that is just great. I mean, you guys are just leaning into this process. You, you are making a difference. You're passing it on from one person to another and from one generation to another. Great things are happening. If you haven't gotten plugged in yet, if you haven't taken those steps, this is your time. Jump in. Do it. I also want to update you today on the Nehemiah video project. Earlier in the year, I cast a vision for you. I've been doing this training over in India since 2008. Been over there 14 times training pastors. And the network over there has grown to the point we've got 15,000 pastors in the network. I'm, I'm training them 80 at a time. That is not going to work. We've got to do something to pick up the pace. And so the last time we were there, one of the director of the, of the alliance over there said, you know, we need to get your teaching on video. We need to be able to get this out. And so I came back and, and we came up with, with the vision of uh, recording uh, the first teaching, the Nehemiah on leadership material, getting that on, onto video. And we're going to do it in English first and make uh, 500 copies on DVD of me teaching it in English, produce student books for that. And then in uh, September when I go back over, we're going to take that over and give it to the English-speaking pastors so they can start using this to, to train other pastors in their regions, they're in their zones. And then in September, we also want to move it into Hindi. We want to take the zone leaders that we're supporting and we want to have them teach it in their language. So now it's an Indian face in the Hindi language, produce the books in the Hindi language. And we want to make 2,000 copies of those and pass them out to the zone, le- uh, zone district and block leaders who come to our pastor's conference in December. And so we put all this together, and then we put a price tag to it, and it's about $40,000, which is, this is a big deal. Plus, I don't know anything about video, and I don't know about producing curriculum and all this stuff. I mean, this is a God-sized goal, but this is what I would do if I could do it, God. And I remember talking to the directors about it and talking to the staff about it, and they're just all like, whoa, are you nuts? And, well, that's obvious. So, yeah, but let's do this. And we just stepped out, and, and you guys started giving, and we've had money come in. I, and I've even lost track of where we're at with the money. About $10,000 or probably a little more than that, I think, has come in. And, and, and we made it, started making progress on this. I haven't been talking about this to you a lot because this is going to go all the way to December, and I don't, if, I don't want to wear you out talking about it. But I do want to update you when we hit, hit milestones and landmarks uh, along the way. This past week was a huge, uh, huge milestone. Uh, Friday, uh, I spent the day in Rick Warren's studio out in California and recorded all 11 sessions of the, the Nehemiah material. And uh, so watch this, watch this video. Hello, Rockbrook. I'm here at Pastor Rick Warren's studio in California. I've spent the day here with a production team shooting the videos for the Nehemiah leadership material. We've had a great day of shooting. I mean, how cool is this? We've got the videos all recorded. The team's going to edit them, get them ready for mass production. We're going to produce them and deliver them to the pastors in India in September. I want to thank you so much for your support of this project. This is an exciting thing. It is a great thing. Thank you for your support and involvement. Yeah. 
It, it, it was a great day. I mean, we started at 8 and just cranked all the way through. I preached my guts out, 11 sermons through the course of the day, and man, it was brutal. And then caught a red-eye flight to get back here to be able to preach to you guys. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm going through the thing, and we did three sessions, and, and the director steps out from behind. I had a director, a camera guy, and a teleprompter guy. I mean, chick-a-boom, daddy, how great was that? It's like, hey, yeah. And uh, I had to get my own water. I didn't have a gopher, but anyway... Um, but we just had, I mean, we get through three of those sessions and the director comes around and he goes, this, this material is fabulous. This is amazing stuff. I said, isn't it? This is just so great. We did about another three sessions and the camera guy leans over and goes, man, this is great stuff. He goes, why have I never heard this stuff? And I said, imagine, imagine you were a young pastor in, in India, just out in a rural area, no training. Somebody just led you to the Lord, gave you a Bible, said, here you go, teach, preach, pastor these people. And all of a sudden, somebody steps up and hands you a resource that teaches you how to pray, how to plan, how to organize a project, how to motivate people, how to handle opposition, how to handle conflict, how, how to uh, uh, sustain your ministry, how to be a super achiever. I mean, how would you feel if somebody handed you that resource? I mean, it would, just, it would, it would change your life. And we have the opportunity to do that. And we, have, and we have the opportunity to do it for literally thousands upon thousands of pastors in India. I mean, this is, this is a great deal. This is a great deal. What an opportunity. We, we are God's fellow workers in accomplishing the great commandment and the great commission. What is he thinking? Let's pray. I just want to encourage you in this moment today just, just to allow God to lay on your heart what are the things that you should do what, what is that area in your life? And it may be a little thing. It may be a huge thing. It may be as little as just a daily habit. It may be as huge as, as a relationship or a sin that you've struggled with in your life forever. And this is your moment. This is your day to say, God, I'm, I'm going to choose to do the right thing. I'm going to do what I should do. And maybe today God has, has laid, just laid it on your heart that there are things you could do if you would just make some sacrifice, if you would just make some lifestyle changes, if you would just offer a spiritual offering unto God in some area of your life. And God could take that and he could turn it into an overflow of abundance. He could turn it into a harvest of righteousness in your life if you'll just sacrifice that area of your life to him. And maybe today God's speaking to you and saying, I just need you to dream. I just, what are the things you would do? What's the legacy you would leave? I invite you today to just step into this process, to make a commitment to Christ and his church and see what God can do through you. Father, we thank you so much for your word and for what you offer to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.